This is Reforming Thomas, the Baptist Presbyterian. Howdy folks, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, I hope this finds you well. Thanks for joining me again on this very chilly morning. Uh, the last couple of years in the Black Hills of South Dakota, it has been like we could not get away from winter cold. And you live here, you expect it, you know what's coming. You, you don't complain too hard. By, by March, April, you're a little tired of it. By May, you're really sick of it. And that last, you know, possible snowstorm in June that happens every couple of years, um, that's when you're really sick of it and you're done. Um, you know, we just get that little window of summer to really enjoy ourselves. Uh, but it, man, it held off this year. And surprisingly, uh, you know, we, we went all the way into Thanksgiving with, with just beautiful weather. We finally got some snow over this last week and, uh, still didn't really, not that much, didn't really stick. So here we go. Um, happy to be back with you. Took last week off. I wasn't sure if I was going to, but you know, holidays are holidays. You gotta, you gotta try to take your time where you can. Also, I was just really trying to kind of back off and think about what I'm doing here. Um, I'm still figuring this out. And if you've been listening to me for the last five, six episodes, you know that, you know, that I've been a little up and down. I'm, I've had hour long episodes. I've had 30 minute episodes. Um, I may get to my point, but it's maybe a little rambly getting there. I think some of these episodes I've been a little more prepared than others. Um, there's just, I don't feel consistent yet. Um, and that's something I'm working on. Uh, and it's only going to get a little worse before it gets better. I think, um, life change consistency is, is going to be the key here, obviously. Uh, but you know, uh, right now I'm about to make a switch, uh, in my, in my work life. Uh, I resigned from my current position, uh, about two weeks ago, uh, leaving, uh, leaving fine. It's not an angry thing. I'm no one's, well, people are angry at me now because no one likes when people leave. Uh, but no one's mad at me, you know? And, uh, and mostly it's just a matter of, uh, the, the job I'm currently in the one that I'm walking away from. It's been a great job, but it's one of those all hands on deck, do what it takes, get the job done. And, Man, I'm getting old and tired, and my blood pressure can't handle that, and my family certainly isn't loving it. So, the time came, found a found another job that that honestly might give me a little more time to focus where I want to focus, um, and that's exciting to me. So, you know, prayers appreciated. It's a it's a it's hard to leave a job. It's especially hard to leave a job you love and people you love. And obviously it's hard for them to, um, for me to be walking away. So, you know, prayers definitely appreciated there. Um, before we get going any further, Hey, if you haven't yet hit like, and subscribe, share on Facebook, share on social media, let others know that, Hey, this guy's doing his best. You know, he's doing his best and we should support him. Give him a listen. And yeah, actually, I mean, if I was, there's things I would do, I'm sure, if, if I was actually trying to make this a big success. But I do want people to listen. What's the point of putting it out there if there's zero audience? 
Um, but for the few of you who are there, I really appreciate you. Appreciate that you're hanging out with me, that uh, we get to still do this. Um, yeah, it's exciting time. Just going to double check and make sure we are recording so I haven't been wasting my my precious time. Not my time. So I'm looking to get better with the podcast. Um, I, I'll tell you what. You can contact me at baptistpresbyterian at gmail.com. I will take topics, questions, objections to things I've said. Now, I don't think I've been terribly objectionable here, but you know what? If I have been, bring it. Take, bring it to me. Um, and uh, a couple things I'm going to try to do down the line. This is still a, a 6 a.m. recording for me, but you know, I think if I try to do this later in the day, if I start having some other people in the room, um, I've got a couple bits that I'm working on to record with my kids that I think will, will lighten me up a little bit. Um, just because my, my dear wife, uh, she, she has, well, she's my barometer, right? And I said, I don't know. I haven't felt very comfortable about my last few episodes. They've been fine, but I, I just don't know if I'm, if I'm, if I'm going the direction I want to go, if I'm saying the things I want to say. And she said, well, you're, I'm enjoying your podcast, but I don't feel like it's you yet. Okay. Well, there you go. Well, what's contributing to that? Well, I'm doing this too early in the morning, maybe. Before I'm really up and at them, my brain's not at its full sarcastic uh, capacity. And then also getting people in the room. Um, you know, I, I kind of need an audience, at least at least a person to banter with, at least every so often. Um, and I had a co-host or frequent guest in mind, and then she moved away and became my listener in Germany. Then she moved back to the States, cutting my European audience in half, which is, I mean, lemon on the paper cut. And uh, this is no other than my, my twin. And if I can get her back in my zip code, and I'm saying this emphatically because I know she's listening, and I know that my, my nieces and nephews are listening, and they will, they will hound her after I say this. If I can get her back in my zip code, I will bring her on the podcast. And I don't want to overcommit or overpromise, but it'll be fun. Uh, but just because, yeah, in general, the audience, it, it helps me. I'm a performer at heart. Uh, I, I haven't talked about my theater past very much yet, um, but I grew up doing theater. I'm an actor. I, I enjoy an audience. I enjoy an engaged audience. So that's, that's kind of where we're going. Hopefully we get that done soon. I think I've said a few of those things a few times now, but when will he deliver? Yeah, we'll see. So, uh, well, I'll talk about what I'm reading right now. Uh, been kind of hitting the books. I have to say, uh, getting rid of a smartphone is one of the best things I ever did. Just hands down. Uh, I'm reading so much more. I'm not a fast reader. Uh, I'm working on that because there's a lot of things I want to read and time is limited. Just in general, time is limited. I want to read more. And, uh, but I've been getting a lot more reading done since ditching the smartphone and going back to the flip phone. And one day technology will outpace me entirely and my flip phone will be completely defunct. But as long as I can ride this wave, I'm, I'm taking it. 
And then, I don't know, landline. Old school car phone. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But so what am I reading? Well, I'm, I think I mentioned a couple weeks ago that I've been reading Jeremiah Burroughs, uh, the rare jewel of Christian contentment. Really slow on that one for me. Uh, not for lack of interest, just other pressing things on my list. Uh, and, and I'll tell you what, Puritan books are not simple reads. And you, you have to digest them. You have to really, really let, really take the time to get into them. Sometimes it's a, it's a cultural barrier in the type of speech, like the way it's written. And sometimes it's just, most of the time, it's just so deep that you've got to really take your time. And also it's on my Kindle, which is just the worst for me. Uh, you know, some people really thrive on that. And it's not like the iPad Kindle. It's it's an old school Kindle. It only has books on it. It, it reads like paper. You have to have light. Um, now some people thrive on that and I love the concept, but I don't read books well on that thing. And, uh, you know, if you ever write a book and I say to you, oh, I have it on my Kindle, it means I may never read your book. So I'm sorry. That's just the truth of it. Right. So, but contentment that remains for me a major, a major topic I want to dig on, uh, I've been working through some thoughts on leadership and followership lately, getting some things written down. I don't know what context I'll use them in, um, but contentment comes up a lot. I just think it is uh, one of those, it's a lost Christian discipline and Burroughs de de defines it as a discipline of faith and, and it's a lost one. And I think it's at the root then of so many things that go wrong in our churches, in our, in our personal lives. Um, it is, it is just like opening this massive door up to sin. And, uh, and I identify way too much with the places where I've fallen short in life and where I can look at a lack of contentment as, as the root of that. And, uh, yeah. Uh, so we'll dig more into that. I hope to share more of that here. Um, and also Puritan books. Let me just tell you. I don't know if you're, you're more than likely you're like me, that you grew up uh, pretty much led to believe that the Puritans were just the reason for everything that's wrong in this country. Uh, and then I grew up and... I was in my late thirties before I read a Puritan book and realized that, oh my goodness, this is not the case. Um, you call me puritanical. I'm going to take it as a compliment. I know that's not what you mean, but, uh, like for instance, John Owen, the mortification of sin chapter after chapter of convicting talk about our, our sin as, as people, our sins against God, our total depravity, but then just the sweet hope of forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And the reassurance in that book that we, we are called to mortify our sin, but it is a work of the Holy Spirit. It's a work accomplished on the cross 
through the blood of, of the shed blood of Jesus. You know, John Owen will will go heavy on the conviction, but he won't leave you hopeless. And why? Because the gospel doesn't leave you hopeless. And so far, and I haven't read as many Puritan, Puritans as I would like yet, uh, but so far, that's every Puritan I've read. Uh, there is so much hope, so much, uh, so much commitment to the assurance of faith. Um, you know, yeah, it's it, they're just beautiful. Um, highly recommend. Uh, you know, you could look at any self-help book on the shelf of a modern Christian bookstore. Throw them all away. Read a Puritan. Read Keeping the Heart. Read Mortification of Sin. Read The Great Gain of Godliness. Um, you know, any of those. And you're going to find more than a self-help book. You're going to find a book that shows you how to give up and let Christ help you. <laughs> like, how to how to rest in Christ um, and, and just worth it, worth it, everyone. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, I, I was thinking about this too, the number of things I've missed till later in life. Um, yeah. I, I, apparently I'm just really dense uh, and it takes me a long time to figure things out. I'm really frustrated that it took me till my late thirties to read a Puritan um, sometimes I get really irritated because the next thing on my reading list, I would have told you five to 10 years ago, like within the last decade, if you had asked me if I was dispensational, I would have said, no, I'm not. And then you would have said, well, what are you? I said, well, I'm, I'm covenantal, but I understood that term only at its most surface. And I didn't realize that until like within the last year and I just turned 40 and I'm really, sometimes I get really frustrated about that. <laughs> so the other book I'm reading right now um, is the Christ of the covenants by O Palmer Robertson. Um, and uh, my goodness, I'm, I'm through the first part of it, which really just nails down uh, the, the idea of, of the covenants and, how they're how they're distinct, but how they're unified, and how they're you know there's really one covenant, uh, and and then how God works through them, and just uh, just a oh man, I just lost my words for it. I uh, I'm in, I'm loving it. Let me just say that um, when we were going through membership classes at our church. I was given a copy of uh, Covenants Made Simple by John T. Rhodes. And I know what you're thinking. No, not John T. Rhodes, the South African cricketer. Uh, this gentleman is a pastor in, in the UK. And, uh, and it was a really good book. Um, quick read, uh, really brings, brings the concepts of covenant theology to a level that I think I think anybody at any level would appreciate. You know, and I think that's the perfect, to me, that's the perfect writing uh, is, uh, I don't think an academic would not enjoy that book, but I also think that the, the person in the pew who doesn't like to read and has been forced to pick up that book would be, would be like, oh yeah, that was a good book. Uh, 
Um, so we read Jaunty Roads, and I wanted to get further because a lot of my questions in this process really, I think, come down to covenant theology um, and uh, the things that I feel like I need to grow on and understand better. And there's there's some a lot of books out there, and there's one compilation of essays that I was really eyeing, but uh, it's it's like 600 pages and it looks like it's a textbook. It's priced like a textbook. And I thought, man, am I going to read 600 pages of essays on covenant theology right now? Am I going to do that? I, I just don't think that's, that's reality. And I ran across this, The Christ of the Covenants. It's about 300 pages. It's not a light read, but it's not the heaviest. It's very well written. Um, he explains things very, very succinctly, very clearly. And I think it is the perfect, at least for me, it was the perfect next book after after Covenants Made Simple uh, to push me forward. So very excited about that book. Um, otherwise, I, uh, I've been reading the Bible. And yes, I read the Bible. I read the Bible all year long. Uh, but I think I said this last time. Uh, with a flip phone in my pocket and a pocket New Testament in my back pocket, uh, I've been reading the Bible a lot more, and it's a delight. So last week I finished the New Testament, uh, and what a what a delightful experience! I've read the entire Bible, and but I don't think I've ever been one of those people who starts at Genesis and reads through to Revelation. I wasn't a very good Bible reader growing up. Um, I, I hated Awana's like, there's always pressure in Sunday school. There's a little chart. You come in on a Sunday morning to Sunday school and there's a chart on the wall and you put your sticker up to show that you did your Bible reading every day that week. And guess what I did? I lied so much about how much I was reading my Bible. Um, just, just, I mean, cause I don't want the shame, but I also had other things I was interested in. And, and when you tell me like no one, someone probably expressed the importance of Bible reading to me appropriately, but it was never impressed on me to the point that it felt like anything but an obligation. Um, you know, and, and yes, as, as I grew up and as, and as an adult, I, you know, a, a later teenager and as an adult, I, I cared a lot more. Um, but for the most part, and like at those ages, so I, I didn't set myself a very good foundation. Um, and, and I'll tell you what, Awana's telling me I had to uh, memorize scripture was like the worst thing you could do to me. Um, I can memorize a play. I don't keep plays in long-term memory. Those shows go away when the show closes. Um, so people, sometimes I'm, I'm you know, well, why can't you memorize scripture? Because you can memorize a whole play. Well, yeah, and I don't hold on to that play. I memorize a verse of scripture. I, I've struggled to remember to remember the, the references and I, I struggle to get the, the wording right because honestly, I read across a lot of different translations. That's another thing I'm doing is I'm trying to just stick with the ESV. So I'm more consistent and the words stick in my head better. 
Um, that said, uh, instead of my old way of reading a book at a time, skipping around or being heavier reading in whatever area I'm studying, um, I read the New Testament start to finish. And scholars, I've, I mean, we, I've read and I've seen some examples where scholars will show, you know, well, we know, we, we absolutely know that this epistle was written by Paul because uh, the style is exactly like the other epistles. And we know that James wrote James because his style is not like Paul's. You know, you hear those arguments. And I understood those arguments as like an academic thing in seminary. But man, when you read from one end to the other, I found it very jarring uh, to move from, you know, the synoptic gospels into John. It took me a second to get into John. And going from the epistles into, uh, into like James and Peter, very jarring. Like it took me a second um, because this, the style is different. Uh, I'm not saying it's, you know, night and day, but it is, it's definitely different. So that's been kind of exciting to read. So that said, I am in Genesis now. I'm going to try to do the same thing with the Old Testament. I'm not a fast reader, like I said. So I feel like, um, I feel like this is going to take me some time, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get through it. Um, like I said, Genesis and Genesis, my goodness, does not get old. I've preached through this book in the past. I don't know how many times I've read it. Um, took an online course on it a couple years ago. It never fails to surprise me. Something different every time. I mean, obviously, I know that Esau and Jacob are going to meet up again. Right? After, after Jacob runs. I know they meet up again. But, for instance, like this time, reading through that part, Felt a little suspenseful, like I didn't forget what was going to happen, but oh my goodness, what's about to happen? And uh, and I I get excited thinking about it because what I guess where this takes my mind. Bear with me here. Um, so when I read Genesis, especially as I get toward the end of it my mind ends up in the intertestamental period. Those, those years between Malachi and Matthew. Um, and a lot of interesting stuff happens during that time. Um, and so I, I'm going to warn you here. I got excited thinking about this, like as I was putting the notes together for this episode. Um, but it's been a long time since I've like read a book about the intertestamental period or spend a lot of time interacting with it. So, <clears throat> so I did not have the time before recording to like go back into that era of history and really shore myself up. Uh, so my comments on this are going to be brief. They're going to be overarching. And, uh, and if I say something wrong, I apologize. I'd, I'd love to come back to this again. Uh, but so, Alexander the Great conquers everything he has as known to conquer, right? And he dies. 
and he leaves other other people are left in charge and ultimately a couple of groups take over the region that we would consider the biblical middle east right so it's the the ptolemies and the seleucids and control of judea kind of runs back and forth between these two uh these two groups uh but for the most part uh those leaders held the same the same Hellenistic principle that we're not going to force uh, our culture onto the areas we've occupied. So, you know, you see that Hellenistic influence among intertestamental Israel. You see that as we go into the New Testament, you know, everyone speaks Greek, uh, but largely they're allowing Judea to do their things that way. Not always. Some things happen. Um, one of the most interesting stories of that period is Antiochus Epiphanes, uh, who's a Seleucid emperor, who put a uh, a monument to him uh, to himself in the temple, in the in the Jewish temple, and uh, you know caused a big thing. That's where you get into the uh, the apocryphal books of the Maccabees. And and the story of of Judas Maccabeus and what uh, what leads to uh, the 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 events that lead up to to what is now the celebration of Hanukkah. Um, I, I've always thought that Antiochus Epiphanes would be an amazing figure in like a a, a traditional Greek tragedy um, where the world is falling down around him because of a terrible choice he made. Um, maybe someday we'll write that. Um, but the other thing that happens during this time is, uh, Ptolemy II is in Egypt and he has 72 Hebrew translators translate the Hebrew Bible into Koine Greek. And so this is what we, what we get is the, it's called the Septuagint, the translation of the 70. Uh, and it's where we get the Greek New Te uh, Old Testament. And so why why do I think about this when I'm reading Genesis? Fair question. <laughs> because I'm crazy and my mind wanders. Um, I cannot help but imagine, and, I, and this is all conjecture here. Uh, so Ptolemy II, reading Genesis as it comes available to him, and he gets to the end of the book, and in Genesis 50, uh, end of the book at, at uh, verse 25, this happens. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry my bones from here. So Joseph died, being 110 years old. They embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. The end. Okay, and I know someone smarter than me will say, well, actually, uh, Hosea was the first book uh, translated in the Septuagint. So, uh, you know, whatever we are, we are imagining here. Uh, we so very easily read the Bible as dry as we can. We know what's going to happen. We know the end, blah, 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 blah. So this final chapter of Genesis is doesn't have a ton of action in it. It doesn't have a good Sunday school story. We skip it. We don't really spend time on it. It doesn't get preached. 
Um, it gets overlooked as like transitional literature. It's, it's what we got to get through to get us to the next Sunday school story. Um, and, but I think of Ptolemy and if we want to, if we want to like back this off, just forget Ptolemy, think of anybody else in that era of Egypt who is getting a chance to read the Septuagint for the very first time. Um, they've read Genesis with fresh eyes. They have seen all the drama in the 50 chapters that have preceded this chapter. The 12 tribes are not in the promised land. The whole book has been leading up to God giving them a promised land and making a great nation of Abraham's offspring. And there's clearly a great nation being formed, but they're in Egypt. They're in Egypt and their protector in Egypt dies. And his last words are, take my body back. Don't stay here. Followed by the words in the narrative, he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Ah, what? No, can you imagine reading that for the first time and Exodus isn't translated yet? You don't know what's going to happen. Or reading that for the first time and realizing that you're not going to get to go to bed yet because you have to read at least into the next part. You have to know what happens next. It's a cliffhanger. It's a fantastic cliffhanger. And <clears throat> and I, I just say this because I, I think, obviously, you need to study the Bible. You need to know it, hide God's word away in your heart. You need to know it deeply. Um, Spurgeon, visit many good books, but live in the Bible. You need to live in the Bible. But goodness, read it fresh. Uh, read the Bible the first time, every time you're reading it. Don't, don't let it turn into something dry, because it's just not. Put yourself into intertestamental Egypt and get swept up. Go to the edge of that cliff. Um, because I, I just think if you find the Bible to be dry and boring, um, you're not reading it. You're not, you're not really reading it or you're not reading it honestly. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot there. And, you know, if, if you can read, you know, Jonathan and his armor bearer taking the hill in first Samuel and not get real like Sparta vibes, then, then read it again. Cause it's only a couple of verses, but that's what's underneath. That's what's there. It's an exciting moment. Um, and even, you know, the things that we find dry and boring, they're there for a reason. Uh, good, good content in the genealogies. Um, maybe hard to get to content. Um, I doubt you're ever going to hear, you know, a lot of sermons on those sections of scripture. Uh, but, but don't just skip. Give them a chance. Think them through at least think why they're put there. Um, and that's my exhortation to you today to read the Bible fresh. Um, so that's what I'm reading right now. Looking forward to getting through this and getting just the next thing. Um, was presented with a topic uh, last week by a friend. So hopefully next week I've got 
some things to report back and looking forward to it. Like I said, hit like and subscribe. Uh, hit me up at baptistpresbyterian at gmail.com. Uh, would love to hear from you. Would love to get thoughts. Would love to get uh, ideas for places to take this, things to talk about. I'm hoping to have a very special guest in the next couple of weeks to do some talk about church history. So very excited about that. Um, so until next time, may the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Good day. Good day.